0: Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Think of behaviors. Um, and now that can be, I suppose, a little bit of a, like a weird thing to talk about behaviors. But um, just to, to, to really share our heart on this, and, and uh, at Arena, we believe uh, that we want to create a culture. A culture where we do certain things, things that are important to us, that are central to the culture that we want to create here. Um, this is not a list of things that we're expecting people to do out of ritual or anything, but it's something that we want to very intentionally create, a culture um, that's pleasing to God in this place. And, and so it'll be similar to your house um, where you may have a culture where you want to just encourage your kids to be thankful uh, for everything that, that, that God has given them or, or encourage them uh, to be loving and, cu- and give hugs and cuddles and kisses, whatever it may be in your house, you will have a culture. And so in this house, there are certain things that we just encourage and we want to have as a behaviors, as it were, um, in, in the, this place. And so last week, Josh spoke very well. Uh, just into, the, into, into passion. You know, we want to be um, a, a house of passion. We want to be a church with passion. Because we believe that uh, our God is a passionate God. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's right and it's proper of us to be passionate. And so I'd encourage you to, to go back and listen to that on the podcast if you weren't here um, last week. It was a great word. And, and so this week we, we want to talk into the topic of unity. We want to display unity. In this place, we want to be unified, uh, as it were. And and if I can give a, a shout out as well to, to to go, I think June, July last year, Paul spoke an amazing message into this topic on unity. And and you know what? We can. It's always good to get different angles and different flavors. So even off the back of this message, go and listen to Paul's uh, message on 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 unity as well. But I want to just start out by by reading a psalm. Uh, to you. And in fact, let's bow our heads and let's just pray uh, before we do that. God, we just um, come to you first of all. God, we do pray that, um, that you will just, Lord, bring these words to life, Lord God. As we read your word, we know it has power, we know it's alive. Lord, we pray that the focus will not be on, on the speaker, but will be on what God is saying, and that you would impact lives here today, Lord God. We pray. In Jesus' name and for your glory, God. Amen. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, turn them to Psalm 133. It is going to show up on the screen. We'll be jumping through a few verses and and different scriptures today, but we're starting out here. um, And it's a beautiful, beautiful psalm, a very short psalm, but beautiful psalm. And it says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people... Live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on, poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Your version may say he commands a blessing. This is the NIV. It says he bestows his blessing. What a beautiful picture. Isn't it? Just a beautiful, beautiful picture um, of unity and the blessing that comes with unity. It speaks of joy in in verse one joy, happiness, peace, uh, a wonderful atmosphere that is in the house when there is unity. Verse two speaks about oil. Uh, Speaking of, we've spoken a lot about in the last year of overflow, um, the anointing. Uh, The oil symbolizes, um, you know, the anointing of a priest in Aaron's case. The oil of the spirit. It's uh, symbolical of when there is unity of God's blessing upon it. A fragrance, because the oil in those days had a fragrance to it uh, as well. An unmissable, distinct, and attractive fragrance that the oil brings. And then there's the symbolism of the dew, uh, the water uh, from Mount Hermon. Uh, which was the source of the Jordan River. Uh, and obviously, if, you, if you're in England or, or, or the UK, maybe water doesn't have the same significance um, uh, as it does in other places. Certainly where I'm from, um, you know, the water symbolizes that blessing. It's the blessing of God when it rains. Uh, here, we sometimes curse it when it rains. Oh, just stop the rain already. But Obviously, in in Israel, in an arid climate like that, it's the blessing that the water brings. It's the dew uh, that comes uh, and gives life. That word life is so important. And so it's so important for us to have unity. Uh, With unity comes a blessing. But interestingly, that the unity comes before the blessing, isn't it? It's interesting because I would have been one that has has prayed in the past. God, I pray that you would bless us. Pour out your Spirit, God, that we would have unity. And obviously the Spirit brings lots of things, but there's an aspect of it that we need to be unified before. He really brings the fullness of His blessing, His Spirit upon us. It says the blessing comes where there is unity. We read in the beginning of Acts where it says they were together with one accord And the Spirit came in power. Interesting, there was already unity there. And where people gather in unity, God blesses. Yeah? God blesses. You see, um, there's other aspect to it as well. Outside of Psalm 133, there's other verses in the Bible that talk about unity. Matthew 12, 25. um, Jesus said this. He said, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And so for us on on both sides, there is is a, a desire to be a house that is unified. So that we can have the blessing that God promises, but also so that we can stand, so that we can have a permanence here, so that we can be stable, not divided, not shaky, but stable in unity. We want to be a church where we have unity. Can I say, can I hear an amen? Yeah? We want to be a unified church. Now, let me, let me say from the outset just a few things uh, that unity is not. Uh, before we get into just three points uh, that, that I want to bring out on, on the topic of, of unity. First of all, unity is not uniformity. We're all different. We understand that. In fact, the Bible is clear that, that we are all different. We're all different parts of the body. But even we can even have our differences in opinion as well. And we can still be united. Do we understand? It's not that I have to agree with everything that Paul says or Paul has to agree with everything I say, but we can still be Unified. It's not uniformity. In fact, the, the best illustration of that is the fact that we live in a democratic society, don't we? we I could probably say that amongst all of you here today, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, that you probably voted for different political parties. I don't think we all voted for the same party, and we don't endorse a particular party as a church, but we can still be unified if you're a Tory, if you voted Labour, whatever, you may hear a difference in opinions, but we're all together. You know, this, this year in June, if you're a football fan, I don't know, but, but there's going to be the World Cup for those of you that don't know. So Aline, just be aware, I've got the control for the month of June or July, wherever it is, the TV is mine, um, but there's going to be a World Cup and, and here's the thing. Whether you voted Tory, Labour, UKIP, Lib Dem, whatever you did, I guarantee you'll all be rooting for that same country, England, when it comes to the World Cup. Well, if you're English, um, some of us will be rooting for Brazil because uh, we've got a better chance that way. Uh, but we all gather you know, if, if there was war declared on England or Britain, uh, we would all gather in unity irrespective of our differences, irrespective of who we voted for, we would be in unity. So difference of opinions. It's not uniformity, but it is unity. Can I even say in church, if we put this practically in church, differences in theology. Hello? You may have slightly different opinion on things in theological things than I do. Now there are some non-negotiables. There's some non-negotiables, the fact that there is only one way to heaven: Jesus Christ. Yeah. If you're denying Jesus Christ's lordship, you're denying the fact that He died, on, th- those are some of the, the building blocks. But there's peripheral things that we might dis- disagree on in terms of our theology. And that's OK, yeah. because we still can have unity despite the fact that we disagree on certain things. In fact, that's something that that should be encouraged. I've said it before and I'll say it again. My greatest spiritual mentor is my dad. And and we disagree on theological issues. He's of a different opinion on things. But you know what? I love him dearly. We, We pray together. We love Jesus. We're building the kingdom in different places in the world. But we're all serving the same God. Unity, but not uniformity. So that's the first thing, that it's not. But the other thing is that it's not a unity of passivity or compromise. A.W. Tozer, the famous preacher, said this. He said, The most peaceful and unified place is a graveyard. It's just so peaceful, isn't it? No differences in opinion. Everyone's dead. But it's peaceful, isn't it? You see... It can so easily become unity. In, in the interest of unity, we can become passive. We can sit on the fence. Never take a stand on issues that are important. Always wanting to step back from, from stirring or offending people. And so we sit on the fence. Maybe don't even ever do anything because you don't want to take the risks. Never daring to say anything that would offend people. So we all agree because no one really ever, ever speaks up. They're just passive. So let's avoid, you know, we avoid speaking about, some, sometimes we avoid speaking about things like money. Because maybe it's controversial and it will stir up the you know, difference of opinions. But that's not unity where it's passive. That's not unity where we're, we're not speaking up for what we believe in. Um, it's not a unity of compromise where we take the Word of God and we, we water it down in the entrance of keeping the peace. That's not unity. And so those two things, that's what it's not, but what it is. And I just want to focus in on, a, on a few things uh, here this morning. Um, things that I believe are so important for us um, if we want to be united in Arena Church, but also beyond Arena Church. And, and, and it's this. First of all, it's going to come up on the screen, that we need to be united in our desire to see God glorified. Now, this can be a, probably quite a gen- general statement, so I just want to dig into it a, a little bit more. United in our desire to see God glorified rather than me glorified or you glorified. So what is our focus on? Because, you see, unity is compromised when our focus is on ourselves rather than on glorifying God. You know, a great example, I've already said, Josh preached his heart out last week. It was a great message, it impacted me. You know what, I-, I could go away and think, oof, I've got to live up to that next week. But you know what, I just sat there and I think, God, I'm, I'm just... I glorify God that we've got a young guy in his twenties preaching his heart out with such an anointing, such a gifting. Because the focus is not on me, the focus is not on Christian or anyone. The focus is on glorifying God. Whoever's speaking is irrelevant. You see, when we have that attitude, then there's a unity. So, so you know, we've got other guys like Paul and Nathan who preach their hearts out. Great gifting. You know what? We're okay because it's God is being glorified. It's not about who's standing up here. It's about God being glorified. We're united when we do that. So it's not about who's singing up front. It's not about who's got a position of leadership. It's about God being glorified. Whoever that's through doesn't matter. Paul talks in Corinthians about being a fool for Christ. And I love that because I ask myself that question. And fortunately, God doesn't ask us a lot of times to be fools for him. But would I be a fool for him? If I had to be a fool for him to see five people saved or five people committing their lives to Jesus, where's my heart in it? Am I so worried about looking good or or, or being well respected? Or am I willing to be a fool just for the growth of the kingdom so that God would be glorified? It's a hard question, but I think it's an important question that tests our motives United in our desire to see God glorified rather than ourselves. But let me say this as well. United in our desire to see God glorified rather than arena, church glorified as well. You know, this is big um, in terms of our unity. Are we focused on God? Are we focused on arena? Because you know what? It's bigger than us. There's other churches in Mansfield and beyond um, that, that are serving the same God. And we should be joyful and we should be praying them for them and shouting them on. And when they succeed, we should be praising God. And when they struggle, we should be crying and weeping out and praying for them too. United in our desire to see God glorified rather than our church glorified. You see, it takes the focus off of ourselves. We want to do the best possible here. But we want to keep our eyes focused on God as well. Doing everything. You know, we want to do everything in our position to make arena thrive. But if the church down the road thrives, we celebrate too. And we say, God, you're glorified. We just want to be unified as we keep our focus on you. You know, a great example is the, um, is the, you know, the, the, the sign out the front and the we don't do boring sign. And I think sometimes you know, I know some people have taken offense to the fact, well, what, what are you trying to say, that other churches are boring? No. We love other churches. We don't judge. That, church, that sign is for people that don't go to church. That sign is for people that, that have never even thought of church. And we want to tell them that church is not a boring place. Church is an exciting place because the life of God is here. So that, that's not focused on, on judging anyone else. In fact, we champion, we love other churches. We want to see them blessed. And we want to see them growing uh, for God's glory too. John 17, 20 to 21 says this, My prayer, and this is Jesus, My prayer is, is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, it's, it's a great stumbling block for a lot of people when they see the church divided, um, maybe within our own fellowship, but also the ways that sometimes we can act towards other fellowships too. You know, we, we, we're on the same team. If they preach Jesus in their church, if they, if they preach the gospel, we need to be unified. Let me say this. Unit, unity is not that we're doing everything together with them, joint services all the time. That's not unity. Unity. Because we have different styles and that's okay, um, but unity is loving, cheering them on, praying for them and believing that God's going to bless his church in Mansfield and beyond, whoever that may be. The second thing I want to say is that is this, it's um, united in our love for people. Philippians 2, 1 through 4, I just want to read that to you. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So putting God's glory first, but then also putting other people first. Loving them. You know, I grew up up thinking that I wasn't a people person. So that's kind of my teenage years. I was quite a shy kid. Uh, I've told you that before. Um, I don't want to labor on it. But I I really grew up thinking I'm not a people person. Um, I studied science at uni, and and that was my thing, and I loved science. And so being in a lab uh, for for many years was my comfort zone. Um, And I grew up thinking I'm not a people person. But let me say this, that I think that if you love Jesus, you are a people person. You know, I, I take that. I know there's meanings of that word, but I don't want to have that word spoken over me. I'm not the most outgoing. I can be quite a shy person by nature, but I am a people person because I love people. Um, I may not be bold and out there and extravagant and always the life of the party, but I love people. And so I I say for all of us, if we love Jesus, we should be people, 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 people. That doesn't mean... That you're going to stand up. It doesn't mean you're going to go to every new person who comes in because you might be a little shy and maybe that's not your comfort zone. But you need to love people. We all need to be people people. We need to be like-minded. Love. Loving each other. Having the same spirit. Having the same mind. That's what it says uh, in those verses that we've just read. Valuing others above yourselves. Looking to the interests of others And not just yourself. You guys are probably better than me, but this is something that I've only really got a handle on since I've been a parent. I didn't realize how selfish I was until I became a parent. Because then suddenly you're having to do all of these things for your kids. And I know you guys are probably judging me, but it's putting others' interests ahead of ours. When you've got little kids, you, you need to put their interests ahead of yours. And so for me, it's been a huge growing experience since we've had kids. And, and um, I'm sure you guys don't need to go through that. You guys are sorted. But, but we need to, you know, perhaps with our kids it's the easiest, but we should have that same attitude with others too. Not just our kids. Putting others' interests above ourselves. You see, if you... If you love God, then loving people is a non-negotiable. It should come naturally. If your sins have been forgiven, if God has done everything for you, then loving people should be something that we are united in doing. The third thing I want to say is this, is united in our dedication to building God's church. United in our determination to see God do great things amongst us. Not just to have somewhere to go on a Sunday morning. Not just to come here to, to be entertained, although we've got a great worship band and, and, and they, they're fantastic. It's not just to be entertained. or It's not even, although I hope we're welcoming, it's not even just to come to, to meet some new friends. In fact, I would say it's not even just to experience God's presence that we come to church although that's great and all of these things are good. But we come here with a desire and a unified desire to build God's church. We're not here as consumers, but we should be going to build God's church wherever that may be. You know, I think that it's, it's so important for us as a church to... To have this unified desire. A desire for more of God. But also a desire to stand up and say, God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. That we're going to build the church together. All hands on deck, as it were, that we're going to see God's church grow. You know, the, I love Matthew uh, 5 verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled I believe that if we are unified in our hunger and thirst for God, that we will see great things happen. That if we together stand and say, God, just Holy Spirit, pour yourself out upon us. That you would empower us to go and and do great things for you, God. That He will fill us. What do you hunger for? That's maybe a challenge. What what do you hunger for to see the growth of the church? I believe that when we are united in our dedication to building God's church, then that will be displayed in a number of different ways. It will be displayed in, in, in unified prayer. There's something powerful when we gather in prayer, unified praying together, where two or three gather, the Bible says. You know, we gather on a Tuesday morning, and I, I know that schedules don't allow everyone to be there. Those that come, it's fantastic. Those, those are great times. We gather at half nine on a, on a, on a, on a, in a morning before the church, an hour before church, but we gather and we pray too. You gather in your small groups and you, you pray together. That unified prayer It's displayed in unified worship. You know, I, I touched on that at the beginning of the service. There's something powerful about when we gather together and we, we praise Him together. Josh spoke about passion last week so well. And he, he made the comparison of being in a concert or, or being in Old Trafford or... Um, maybe that's not the best example of a stadium with a great atmosphere, but but wherever a football game, um, just where you just pray, people are praising God, iris, uh, praising the heroes. Sorry, not praising God, praising the musicians, praising the football players. Whatever they do, they're, they're engaged. I believe we should be engaged too here in church because there's somebody that's so much worthy, more worthy of our praises than Paul Pogba. If you're a football fan. God is worthy of our praises. And so when we, when we engage in unified worship, there is a power too. But also displayed in unified serving, doing our bit, playing our part. Uh, the Bible talks about a body that has different parts but is unified at the same time, doing different tasks, doing different things, unified in our service but also that we would be unified in our submission to leadership as well. You know, leaders are placed here by God. We're to submit to the leaders that we do have, and we don't have to agree with every decision, but, but we, we submit anyway. Can I say on this note, as a leader myself, that um, we're always subject to, to the Word of God. You know, leaders... We're servants. And so we're not the authority. God is the authority. We're accountable to him and to the word of God. So, you know, unity uh, is not just taking your, your pastor's word and running with it. Unity is weighing up the essentials against the word of God and making sure that your pastor, and I'm accountable, if I say something that you disagree with, come and talk to me. But there's certain things that are non-negotiables that, or certainly certain things that are negotiables that maybe aren't biblical truth issues where your, your, your leader is, is doing something that he believes God has called him to do. And sometimes there's a, there's a need to submit, even though we may not agree 100%, because God has put the authority in place. And that's not an easy thing to say as a leader, but you know, under the leadership of, of Christian as our, our lead pastor... Uh, there's times where we have to say, God, I know he loves you. I know he's called of you. I know he's a godly man. And as we say, God, we're going to go with it. Now, thank God that we see eye to eye with, on most things. We don't have that. Uh, we've got godly leaders in our church. But there is an aspect of unity in submission. Not every decision will be popular when you're a leader that's part of it. But if we want to see that blessing that Psalm 133 tells us about, we're going to go back to that just as we finish up here. I'm going to read it again, uh, in fact. It says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Mount Hermon were falling upon Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows or commands His blessing, even life forevermore. I really think that for us to, to have the blessing of God, the fullness of God, We need to be unified. And so when we talk about behaviors, that's why we talk about it. Unified in our desire to see God glorified. Unified in our love for people. Always loving people. And unified in our dedication to building God's church. And I believe as we do that, that we will see the blessing of God fall out in a new way, fall upon us in a new way. How many of you would love that? How many of you would love to see God just pouring pouring out in an amazing way, in a way that men cannot do, but in a way that the supernatural God that we serve can do? If we position ourselves, then I believe we can look forward to great things i'm going to ask you guys just to stand to your feet if we could and and the worship guys are going to come up and as we as we finish up and I... I was just um, reflecting and I felt, you know, I I was just reminded and of a time where, well recently, last year when we were were going to South Africa on holiday and and we were delayed on the runway and it was a frustrating experience with three young kids and I just remember getting more worked up and more worked. We sat on the runway for about an hour uh, before a a 13-hour flight to South Africa. And I remember the frustration, um, the frustration of just the fact that we were sitting there. And there were two, two areas of frustration for me. One was the fact that we weren't going anywhere, but also the fact that I wasn't doing anything, and I was just sitting there. And so I, wasn't sit, I was sitting there and weren't moving, and it was frustrating. And as I was just praying through this morning, and I, I, I just felt God wanted to, us to focus on those two areas. You see, we can be frustrated sometimes when things don't seem to be going anywhere. But if you're busy, you're not really focused on that. And there were people in that plane that were were busy reading books or doing whatever they were doing and they weren't really bothered too much that we weren't going anywhere because they were busy. They were doing something. I think sometimes that can be like church because we do get a little frustrated when maybe things aren't, going, you know, we've not seen 100%, 200% growth, but God is doing something. But when we're busy, when we're doing what God called us to do, we don't even focus on that. We're just getting down, busy with what God's doing. There was another frustration that, and in a a weird way, sometimes the frustration can be, I mean, it can be quite enjoyable if you're doing nothing and and, and, and the plane is going somewhere, can't it? Be quite enjoyable. You can actually quite enjoy the ride when you're doing nothing because the plane's going somewhere. But it's when the plane stops that we're called to just evaluate. Where's our heart? If we're doing nothing, maybe we need to pick something up and we need to do it. Can we just bow our heads for a moment?